good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the X's and O's with Greg Cosell. I'm Doug Farrar of USA Today Sports Media Group, and the guy over there in the striped shirt is Greg Cosell of ESPN NFL Matchup, which is coming back to uh, our televisions very soon. And uh, he's one of the big shot callers at NFL Films, which we all love. And Greg, we, in the last month or so, I know we took last week off for vacation reasons, um, We've talked about a lot about building the ideal positions or position groups. And I want to get into a, a subject and a position that's been a lot in the news lately. And it's, you know, you kind of get the same simplistic tropes about it. I want to elevate the discussion about running backs because, you know, you've been an NFL film since 1979. Um, I've been doing this full time for 13 years. So we've you've seen a lot more of the changes than I have. I want to start this discussion with, the requirements for a running back when you started in 1979, say through the 80s, 90s, 2000s, you know, I mean, Larry Zaka wasn't really a big deal in 79. His arc had kind of passed, but, you know, there was an era when guys like Larry Zaka and John Riggins were fullbacks and they were maybe the most important players on their teams. And they're, you know, NFL teams now that haven't had a fullback for 10 years. So before we get into what the running back situation is now in the NFL and all these guys having issues with their teams about it, whether it's Jonathan Taylor or Saquon Barkley or Josh Jacobs or whoever, can you give me kind of a thumbnail sketch of the evolution of the position? And I know it's, it's a lot of years, so it's, it's a big ask. We'll try to but keep yeah, it relatively brief. <laughs> yeah. The evolution of the position as you have seen it evolve. Well, you mentioned that I started at NFL films in 1979 the following year, 1980, in the NFL draft, George Rogers, a running back from South Carolina, was the first pick in the NFL draft. Um, I I would imagine it's probably been um, a year or two since a running back's been the first pick in the NFL draft. I but have anyway, the number. I have the number. It hasn't happened since 1995 when the I, I know, and I bet I know who that is. Yep. Kijana Carter with the first Kijana Carter, yeah. And prior to that, it would went back even a number of years, and it was Bo Jackson. Yep. Um, but anyway, back then, the NFL game was totally different than it is today, and the game is very cyclical. You dealt with that in your book very effectively. The game is very cyclical. Um, so back in those days, first of all, teams played – offense played in base offense, what we call base offense today. They played with two backs, a tight end – and two wide receivers. Not very often did you even see a third wide receiver on the field. Uh, I remember when Bill Walsh started doing that, and I think it was Mike Wilson, he put a third wide receiver on the field, and that seemed a little different, you know, based on the way the game had been played. Um, And defenses, of course, therefore, did not really play with what we now know as nickel corners or slot corners. That was not really a position back in the day. you know, it, it sort of had to become one to some degree when uh, with with Air Coriel. But that goes back to, I think, what was his first year in San Diego? 79, I believe it was. 79, 79, 79 yeah. right around there. No, it was 78. I think, he I think it was 78 because he was with the Cardinals from 73 to 77. And then didn't they fire? I think they fired Tommy Prothrow and he came in. He was like the interim guy. Yeah, but, but I mean, it really took shape in around 79. Right. Um you know, and then they had three wide receivers, you know, which was 
you know, again, not something a lot of teams did back then. It was kind of new and different and therefore very difficult to defend. Uh, and they were pretty good ones, too. But yeah. anyway. John Jefferson, baby. Yeah, Wes Chandler, Charlie Joyner, yeah. pretty pretty good receivers. Um, I know you had that nightmare of a Y ISO tight end and Kellen Winslow. Which well, there you go. That's well. a whole other story, by the well, way. There you go. Yes, yeah. Which I dealt with in my book. Um, yes. But, um, but back then, the game was really built on – Base offense versus base defense, being physical, let's run the football, let the offense start with the running back. Um, Teams did not throw the ball anywhere nearly as much as they do now. I mean, you know, you can even go back, and I know this is a long way back, but there was a, a long period of time where everybody wanted to be like Vince Lombardi's Packers in the NFL. The AFL was a different animal, and obviously when the merger happened, it, it was gradually over time things started to change a bit. But essentially in the NFL, for years and years, everybody wanted to be like Vince Lombardi's Packers because they were winning championships. And Bart Starr was not throwing the football uh, very much. Um, I think in a Super Bowl that the Dolphins won, didn't Bob Greasy throw something like seven or eight or nine or, or 11 passes? Yeah. Super Bowl eight, I think he threw eight passes. Well, back yeah. then you had the pro set. You had two running backs in the backfield. Right. You had two running backs on in, in your 11 by default. So, so that's the way people saw the game, and that's right. the way people decided that you had to play. Um, and, you know, obviously we're not going to get into a whole evolution of the NFL, but that's what the game was for a right. long period of time. You know, it started to change gradually, and there's many reasons for that. As I said, we're not going to spend a half hour going through all that. Yeah. But but the game started to change and, um, you know, eventually started to reach the point where – Teams were playing with three wide receivers. Uh, quarterbacks were in the shotgun, which was not – look, Steve Young was never in the shotgun. You talk right. to Steve Young, and he says, man, I would have loved to have been in the shotgun. He was never in the shotgun. Um, because you know, people Bill might not even be aware of that. If you were in a shotgun, three things could happen, and two of them were bad. I think that was the exact quote. Well, it's Woody Hayes. If you throw the ball, yeah, okay. three things – yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so that's the way the game was. And as I said, it gradually changed, and – you know, this the athletes became better, certainly. I mean, keep in mind that, you know, defensive players back in the day, they were smaller. They weren't as good athletes. Um, the guys who were bigger were definitely not the, the great athletes that we see today. You know, no. just think of the Dexter Lawrences of the world, you know, compared to what we you look back, you know, years and years ago. Um, so a lot of reasons for the game changing, but it became much more of a spread game. Um, for years and years, people the NFL rejected the college game. But the thing is, is that you can only deal the hand you're dealt. So these college players, that's where they got the players from. Yep. <laughs> and these players, um, you know, in the, the college game was a little different. Um, you know, and that changed over time, too, because I remember researching that Alabama, I think, won the national championship in 1979 or 1980, somewhere around there. And their quarterback threw 100 balls all season, the entire season. You Jeff know, Rutledge, who I think. I uh, know it was um, a, a guy who's not well known and I can't remember his name now, uh, okay. but but he only oh, threw maybe 100 balls. You know, you go to air raid offenses, they throw 100 balls, you know, by the by the middle of the third, third quarter of their second <laughs> game, you know, yeah. so. You know, everything has changed. Athletes have become better, um, faster, quicker. The game has become more spread out uh, because you want to take advantage of athleticism instead of just making it, you know, a fisticuffs game. And, you know, I think people began to realize that 
percentage wise, you you have a better opportunity to create big explosive plays and thus score points by throwing the ball more than by running the ball. And again, and this it, is all it, very the general NFL is stuff. Becoming, it, yeah, it's so much more about creating and defending explosive plays. I think in previous eras, it was you know obviously you had explosive offense, but it really was about more about sustaining. Like yes. if we can just grind you down, eventually we will win. Now you got guys like Patrick Mahomes who can score 28 points in five minutes. If you sustain, you'll get beaten right out of the stadium. So, you know, that's a big thing too. Yeah, and, and there's a definite belief, and it, it started years ago, not just recently, that in, it's very, very difficult with the quality of defensive players and the advances in defensive schematics. That's another yes. really important part to this. Yes. Because back in the days we were just talking about, there may have been two coverages and there weren't a whole lot of blitz packages. Um, you know, so now with the expansion of all that, it's very, very difficult to go 11, 12, 13 plays and score touchdowns. So teams right. are looking for ways to create what they call explosives, chunk plays, gain 20, 25 yards with one play. You do that twice in a drive and you've gained 50 yards. It's it's really hard to just line up and run the ball, even with a great running game, if you do happen to have one. Um, it's really hard to, you know, a really good run in the NFL very often, you know, it's a seven-yard run. And that's really hard to do that over and over and over. So – from kind of where we are now with, and I don't, we didn't, we don't need to go into this situation, you know, running back versus team. Cause we all sort of know about that. Um, and you and I've discussed this before. We talk about the, uh, the two first round running backs. And I, I have the numbers, by the way, there were uh, from 1970 through 1979, there were 44 running backs taken in the first round in the decade of the eighties. There were 50 nineties, 34 2000s, 2000 through 2009, 32. 2010 through 2019, 21. None taken first overall since 1995. So the valuation of the position has changed. What I want to get into, and you and I discussed this a little bit yesterday on the phone, and it got me like really, oh, okay, we, we need to talk about this. We, You know, the Lions were pilloried for taking Jameer Gibbs with, what, the 12th pick overall. The Falcons took B. John Robinson, who I think could be the best running back prospect since Adrian Peterson with the 8th overall pick, but he's still a running back. And the common denominator with those two guys is yes, they're running backs, but they're also offensive weapons. And it got me thinking about the running backs in the recent past who have run legitimate receiver routes, a Marshall Falk, a Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell could kick your ass from the slot. I mean, he could just mess you up with all kinds of different stuff. Christian McCaffrey now. So if, if we want running backs to matter, I mean, blah, blah, blah. Is it that they need to become more than running backs? It's more about how can I, as a running back, create those explosives? How can I create an overall skill set, an overall game to get in on this trend? Because otherwise I'll be like the third linebacker or the fullback. I will be left behind. Well, I think there's a larger question, a, a larger issue there, because it goes back to the explosive plays. Now, there's many ways to create explosive plays, obviously. You know, the assumption is that to create explosive plays, you need to spread it out and throw the ball all over the yard. I'm sure if you speak to coaches, some would say, and they wouldn't be wrong, that you can line up in the I formation with your quarterback under center, and you can create explosive plays that way as well with the play-action pass. Um, sure. You know, I, 
so I, you know, I think, and, and this is a very nuanced conversation. It's not as easy as saying running backs don't matter. We're talking about running backs because they're not getting paid the way in which some people believe maybe they should, such as the players themselves. So in well, the lines of talking about it, because it was a position of great import for decades, yeah. and now it's just disappearing. Well. It is and it isn't. At some point, you do need to run the ball. Yeah. Um, and then it depends on your team. I mean, you know, a lot of people point to the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and the fact that they came out in the second half and they ran the ball really effectively with a seventh round pick named, I, you know, named Pacheco, right. um, who's a good back. Yeah. But <clears throat> the point being is that they have the best quarterback in the league and you know, a quarterback who may be on his way to being one of the best to play. You know, time will tell. You know, not every team has that. You know, you mentioned Bijan Robinson. We both agree that he's a big time prospect for many, many reasons. One reason is because he's a really good runner as well, in addition to the fact that he can detach from the formation and be a very, very good receiver, as can Jameer Gibbs, yep. who the Lions drafted with the 12th pick. So, and yes, when I say receiver picks. routes, just to bust in real quick, uh, I'm not talking about screens and glance routes and little No, no, exactly. We're talking about actual receiver. Like I saw it was a B. John Robinson touchdown, kind of a stutter slant against Iowa State. Like if Cooper Cup runs that, we're talking about it all week, and he ran it. Right. And it was a touchdown. It was a great, great play. Right. And, and, and there's no question that that matters more than ever. But – to get back to the point that I was trying to make was, you know, not every team has Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or quarterbacks that can quote unquote, take over a game. So if you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're starting with Desmond Ritter, who I watched his four games from a year ago and you probably did as well. Mm -hmm. And there was clear incremental improvement by the time he got to his fourth game, but still he's going to be a first year starter. So what is your offense going to look like? You can't ask Desmond Ritter to do the kinds of things. And I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about offensive structure and design. You can't ask Desmond Ritter to do the things you're going to ask Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert to do. You can't do that. He's incapable of doing that at this point in his career. Uh, I don't know what the future holds for Desmond Ritter, but so now you have to think about what can my offense be with Desmond Ritter as my quarterback. So you need to run the ball to some degree. That doesn't mean that you line up and hand the ball to B. John Robinson 35 times a game, but you need to be able to line up and run the ball from multiple looks, multiple formations, multiple personnel packages. So the Falcons need to run the ball. Now, there's a lot of quarterbacks coming into the league now who have tremendous athletic ability. So they provide a run game unto themselves the Jalen Hurts of the world. And this raises another question. Well, I was going to say, with the Eagles and the Bears, your best running back might be your quarterback in both cases. And because of what they do to defenses and how defenses have to align and deal with the quarterback as a runner, you don't need a big-time running back because it's highly schematic. Okay, Because the defense has to play a certain way in order to take care of the quarterback. So – you know, the Eagles, you know, Miles Sanders is a very good back, yeah. but, you know, the Eagles allowed him to go and signed Penny and they signed uh, and they traded for Swift. Um, two good backs, both first round picks when they came into the league, both have been plagued by injuries. Um, but you mentioned the Bears, the Bears with field, same situation with his running ability. They know what the defense is going to have to do when he's in the gun and the back is offset. So they don't need 
um, a back, you know, a big time back. Hey, it's very possible Khalil Herbert could be their starting back and gain 1,200 yards simply like because of how defenses have to play. So well, that's there, the that also team. minimizes the role of a back. Obviously, someone like Jonathan Taylor is in the news now. We would all agree he's a great back. Yep. But they drafted Anthony Richardson, and they and Shine, Shane Steichen is their head coach. He comes from the Eagles, where Jalen Hurts was there. Rich, there he's go. going to run a similar offense with Richardson because that's what Richardson's skill set is. You know, he's a dominant, dominant runner. He's close to two hundred fifty pounds, if not more, and a phenomenal yep. athlete. So he presents a problem for the defense. So you don't need your running back to be a special, special guy, and therefore the result of that is you're not going to pay him whatever the, the number is, 16, 17 million a year. Whatever. You know, I don't follow the numbers maybe as closely as you do because you have to write about it you know, more than it's, I do. It's a few guys like that, and then just falls off a cliff. Right. So Christian McCaffrey that also factors in. Yeah, that also factors in tactically from the running back equation, you know, someone like Austin Eckler is a very, very valuable player, but the chargers have Justin Herbert who ability wise is a top three, four quarterback in the league. And, you know, your offense, because he's that kind of guy is going to run through him. So your back is going to have to be a receiver as well. And you're not going to give the ball to one back 280, 290 times. So while we would all agree that Eckler is a very good player and a valuable player, the feeling would probably be that you're not paying him 16, 17, $18 million a year because that's not the way you're building your offense. Right. And well, it's interesting. You know, who had the most of, of, uh, I'm going to give it away with the two positions, halfback or fullback. Do you know which halfback or fullback had the most snaps lined up as an outside receiver last season? Probably use check. Yep, fifty. Yeah. You know how many targets Probably he had? Check. See now again, two. but then you get he into two that. targets because if you go back to Patrick Demarco with the 2016 Falcons with Kyle Shanahan, and that was one of the best offenses I've ever seen. Yeah, they yep. would run him out and just get that linebacker in stress. They weren't throwing him the ball. I don't think he had a target all season. He was just there to create space for other people. So you can do this different ways, but yeah, it's not. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how you bridge this or make running backs quote unquote matter. But I think in the overall skill set, like if we're, if we're in summary building that ideal guy who can be that tone setter, uh, and you know, Derrick Henry has had three three hundred carry seasons. Ezekiel Elliott has had three 300-carry seasons. So there are guys who set the table. Um, yeah, and, 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 Murray, not too long ago, had 394 carries in one season. So yeah, and Henry last year, people thought he had a bad year, and he still gained over 1,500 yards. Um, yeah. You know, and, obvi- and look, again, that's why you go back to 2019 when the, when the Titans uh, made it to the AFC Championship game and were very competitive with the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and that their offense was built on Derrick Henry. Everything worked off of him, and they scored over 30 points a game. Uh, and and you know any team will take scoring over 30 points a game. Believe me. So doesn't matter how you do it. Right. So you know I think the whole point of this conversation we could have this conversation for a week is that. It's, it's nuanced. There's a lot of subtlety here. It's not just that backs don't matter. There's reasons why they matter on some teams more than others. There's tactical reasons, as we discussed with the Eagles, and certainly the Colts will fall into that category, the Bears, where the, the, the back, it's 
it does not matter as much in terms of the talent of the back. You know, you, he'll still be an important part of the offense and he'll run effectively, but you don't need the best back in the league in order to do that. You um, could say the Ravens too with Lamar. When Lamar's healthy, they've cycled through a whole bunch of guys. Right. And, and it all depends too on your defense. I mean, a lot of people listening to this might say, oh, well, everybody thought Marshawn Lynch was a great back. Then he retires and Chris Carson, who I believe was undrafted, comes in and rushes for a thousand yards for two or three years in a row. And they use that as an example that, oh, well, you know, anybody could line up and run the ball, you know, so there's there's multiple sides to it. I mean, clearly some backs are better than others. Marshawn Lynch is better than Chris Carson. That doesn't mean that Chris Carson didn't serve a major purpose for what Pete Carroll and the Seahawks want to do. And don't forget, they had a very good defense at the time as well. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that go into all that. Um, you know, obviously, if you have a very good defense, you can play – multiple ways on offense because you know that when you get the ball back the score probably hasn't changed you know and that that really it that can really dictate how a play caller decides to call a game because sure. he doesn't he knows he doesn't have to score 35 points in order to win you know the Seahawks did not have to score 35 points in order to win back seven eight years ago as you well know yeah. you know if you They're kind of thinking to... they do now, which is why they took uh, they have Metcalf and Lockett. And they took Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. I mean, this is not an eleven personnel team, but it could, could be. It certain. wasn't a year ago. We'll see. I mean, we'll I remember see. the whole conversation when teams would play the Colts with Peyton Manning, and yeah. a lot of people would say, "Well, you want to slow the game down. You know, you want to control the ball." And you know, and that sounds good as as a platitude and a statement. And I'm not saying it's wrong. So the thing is, though, then your defense on that same team where you want to slow it down has to be really good because let's say you cut Manning's possessions from 11 to nine. If he scores four touchdowns or five touchdowns on those nine possessions, which they often did by the way, yeah, they did. then you've got to score four or five touchdowns and percentage wise, you're not going to do that by handing the ball off all game long. Right. You know, so there's many reasons why the pass game has superseded the run game but then, like I said, it depends on your team. I think the Falcons are a good example of that. You know, they're going to run the football. You know, we've seen what the, the Titans have done. Maybe that's going to change now. We'll see. But look at the 49ers. The 49ers have had a very, very good offense. Obviously, yeah. McCaffrey is a different cat than they've had prior to him. But mm-hmm. still, he's still a running back, and they're still going to give him the ball in the I formation. Well, the Falcons are an interesting test case because they have Algier, the guy from BYU, who I thought was like a Marion Barber, just, you know, power. He did gain a thousand yards and people say, well, he gained a thousand yards. Why do you need B. John Robinson? Because be B. John Robinson that. can then line up all over the place. And it can be like uh, Mark Ingram and Reggie Bush where you don't know. I, and I've, I've said this before, Reggie Bush to me invented the nickel base defense out of desperation, out of necessity, because when he went from the backfield to the formation, the third linebacker is like, uh-uh, I'm not ready for this. So, you have Algier in the backfield, and you have um, Bijan Robinson lining up all over the place. He can do all kind. He can yep. do a sweep. He can run a slant. He can run a go. He can run a stutter go. He's a very evolved receiver. So, if to conclude this conversation, and as always with our conversations, we could go three hours, but uh, it's not in the budget. Um, it, would you say that Christian McCaffrey is the closest thing right now to the evolutionary version of a running back? like the the guy you want for the next five or 10 years with his skill set, or how would you 
codify that in your own mind? Like what, what is the ideal sort of picture of a running back? If you were running a team, like in a, in a, in a, not in a, not a vacuum of an offense, but sort of an X vanilla offense. Uh, right. Well, kind of if, if you're an offensive coach, Doug, what you're trying to do is make the defense as predictable as possible or, 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 or put the defense in a bad light before the snap of the ball. So your quarterback, has a really good feel of what's going on before the ball snapped. And obviously, if you have a back who can line up all over the formation, you know, based on your film study, how they're going to line up. You know, it's all probability and tendency, but every team has probability and tendencies. So, you know, when you split Christian McCaffrey out against whatever team they're playing that, hey, this is what they're going to do based on our film study. And now you have an answer, you know, you talk to coaches as you do, and all they talk about is we want to have answers. We yep. want to have answers to the problem, and we want to have answers to the problem ideally before the ball snap because once the ball snap, things happen really fast. So, yes, you know McCaffrey in that sense is that guy um, in in today's NFL, which is why Abijan Robinson is is such a was drafted eighth. It's why Jameer Gibbs was drafted twelfth. You know, it's why someone like Eckler who's a good runner, but not a great runner, but a very, very good receiver who can yeah. split out from the formation. He's not, and he's again, when he's splitting team. out, he's not running screens from the slot. He's doing no. all that stuff. No, you know, and, and you know, so th- those players have a, a ton of value because they give offenses answers in today's NFL, and that's what you want for your quarterback. You want to give your quarterback answers. Um, so that's how play callers think about it. Um, you know, but I will – I will end with this. At some point in this league, you do have to line up and run the ball. Somewhere along the line, you do have to do that. Um, You know, people can say in the overall scheme from 30,000 feet, you know, that view that, well, that's not really that important. Maybe, you know, maybe if you're just looking at kind of an overview of life in the NFL. But at some point, you do have to line up and run the ball. Now, if you want to say you can run it with Chris Carson the same way you can run it with Marshawn Lynch, that's okay. I'm not going to argue, you know, that. But I think when you do want to run the ball, most coaches would probably have a better player as opposed to a player who's not quite as good. So whatever value that means, that's that's a market thing. That's, you know, I'm thinking tactically. But at yeah. some point, you got to run the ball. Well, as the league develops, and even in the last five years, we've seen so many scheme changes and so many conceptual changes. I just think the more you can do, the better off you are. So I don't know if we solved the running backs matter issue, but Greg, I know you matter, darn it. Yeah. And another great podcast in the uh, in the X's and O's pantheon, and we will see you next week, my friend. God, I feel like we could go on and on with this one, Doug. I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs>